Tonight, Chris takes a drink. SP takes a drink. And I make an obscene gesture. Oh, and SP also reviews a car. See, this whole intro joke makes more sense now, right? This and more in this week's show. I'm Michelle Ely from the Starling Tribune, an Arrow TV show fan podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gonna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gonna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to episode 290 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say Chris Farrell has not been usurped yet. Yet. They will replace me soon. One day. That's the hopes and the dreams. But we've also got, of course, none other than Star Master General, Stargate Pioneer. Please call me SP, and I'm back, and I am here after taking a week off taking care of some family stuff. So I'm glad to be back, and you guys treated me well in the episode, at least in the published version. I did not take a listen to the live one. Yeah, that's probably safer. a good thing. <laughs> that's probably it's safer. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, just ignore the part it, that where we had a dancing version of Stargate Pioneer uh, saying all sorts of weird things. That was uh, that was a fun little live exclusive that if you have not checked out our live shows, you missed out on, which you can find out on Mondays is usually when we record on geeks.live. We're a little all over the place, but hopefully by July we'll be back to 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time because that's very inconvenient for Chris Farrell and Stargate Pioneer as East Coasters, so that's what I like to do, is be inconvenient. Fair. Wouldn't have it any other way with you, Stephen. You know what? I would have it my way. Wait, oh wait, that was a Burger King slogan. I'm not allowed to say that, am I? I thought you were going to sing a Backstreet Boys song for a second there. I'm just going to do this. All right, let's start off with some fun news out of the world of E3. I believe that E3 is actually something that is Chris Farrell puts on himself every year. He rents a hall, starts things up himself, has a little bit of a, a get-together with a couple of friends, right? Is that what E3 is? The Backstreet Boys, actually, because we know how much you want to talk about them. So much you transition straight to the news. But yes, uh, E3. It began this weekend. There is a boatload of stuff that is going on. Even as we speak right now, they're unveiling things at E3. Where things get interesting, though, is Sony is not at E3 this year, meaning gave Microsoft a primo positioning on Sunday, June 9th, to go and talk about some of the things that are coming to the world of Xbox and PC. What? 
So let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that came out of Microsoft's E3 press event. Why am I doing this one? Because I live tweeted it because it's the one I was most interested in. And it's Monday of E3 week right now. So there hasn't really been any other major events. So diving in, diving in rather to Microsoft's E3 event, they showed off 60 different video games during their E3 event that was about two hours long. 60. That is a lot of games. We're not going to touch on every game in this show because we would be here all night. I was going to touch on a few games and then get to some of the bigger announcements that will impact Microsoft gamers. So what you said is you're going, you've made a couple selections to touch. Is that what you said? If that's the phrasing you choose to go with, that is the phrasing we can go with, sir. All right. right. 60 games. Are we talking like Space Invaders? Are we talking E.T., Pong, maybe? So it is a variety of Xbox or Microsoft Game Studio games. It is a variety of third party games. It is a variety of indie games. They ran the gamut as to everything they had. They did not, however, show any sports games off that I recall. They're probably leaving that to EA and their other partners who make sports games. But one of the things they did show off that a lot of people were excited about is they teased a bit more for CD Projekt Red's upcoming game, Cyberpunk 2077. If you're not familiar with CD Projekt Red, uh, there's one game series I should mention that they make, and then probably most people will know who they are. They make the Witcher series, one of the biggest critically acclaimed RPG series that's out there. That's by them. They're doing an RPG set in a cyberpunk future of 2077. Now, this normally wouldn't be such a big deal, but we got two unveils on this that had people really excited. First of which is we know that Cyberpunk 2077 is officially dropping on April 16th, 2020. So those of you here in the United States, pay your taxes, then play uh, Cyberpunk 2077. You'll be good to go. It's all about the same time. But in what was a really astonishing and kind of fun reveal, they revealed that, yes, they do have some celebrity cachet in this game. Keanu Reeves will be playing one of the characters in the game, and he was actually at E3 himself and was geeking out over the fact that he's in this game and the kind of stuff that was going on. So it was kind of fun to see the ongoing Keanu renaissance spread its way over to E3. And I was super excited to see how excited he was and how well the fans reacted to him. My official headcanon, however, is that John Wick has somehow made it to the year 2077. It's not Keanu, it's John Wick. There's memes about that. You just stole that from a meme. I said that when the show was going on. No, you stole that from a meme. Okay. One of the memes I saw was WWKD, what would Keanu do? That's a good one. Yeah. Last year at E3, Microsoft announced the acquisition of a ton of different game studios. I think they only announced one new game studio acquisition this year, but it's a pretty good one. Microsoft has officially acquired Double Fine Productions. Why might that name be familiar? They're the makers of games such as Psychonauts and Brutal Legend. And then they showed a trailer for Psychonauts 2, meaning it will be an Xbox and PC exclusive now. So if you really dug the first Psychonauts game and you want to play the sequel, better have a PC or an Xbox. It did look quite delightful, though. Next up, they did also announce that Gears of War 5, which is only entitled Gears 5, will be hitting the streets on September 10th, introducing a new version of Horde mode and also another new multiplayer mode with three gamers cooperative called Escape. They showed off a little bit of this Escape mode on stage. The concept is you and your team are running into an enemy encampment. You have to set off a bomb inside and then escape at the same time without being killed. So, hey, could be fun. They are demoing it now. There will be a beta for it in July, I believe is what they said, where people will be able to get in and play. It will be an open beta. 
And if this is really your jam, they also announced they're doing a skin pack for Terminator Dark Fate where you can play as a Terminator. I don't honestly care about skin packs, but some people were really jazzed about that. And since this is a Microsoft first party game, it is concluded as part of your micro as your Xbox Game Pass subscription. So if you're subscribed, you can play this game day one as soon as it launches as part of that subscription. Same with Psychonauts 2 that I mentioned previously as well. So if I heard you right, the Top Gear reboot Gears 5 will be <laughs> premiering on BBC in July. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. What I picked up on was that Chris Farrell is not much of a skin pack guy because he likes to show all of his skin as it is. You weren't complaining. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. These ones are real quick. Uh, they did announce that Sega's online RPG Fantasy Star Online 2 is finally coming to the West. Will be playable on Xbox One and PC free to play when it drops in spring 2020. It's already in Japan and things like that, but it is coming here. It will be cross-play compatible, meaning if you're an Xbox gamer, you can play with PC gamers and vice versa. So a lot of folks excited about that. Let's go old school for a second. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. They took the classic Age of Empires game, remastered the audio, releasing it with 4K graphics as well, drops this fall for PC. We totally went old school, but the Age of Empires games are amazing. I wish they would make a more modern day one. Instead, we just get a reskinned, updated one. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention in regards to gaming news. We'll save the last big thing for gaming news until later in here. In what should surprise a lot of folks, we know Borderlands 3 is coming out next year. Borderlands 2 came out like five, six years ago. They announced a free DLC pack for Borderlands 2 available today. Now it is only free for the first 30 days. So if you have Borderlands 2 or Borderlands The Handsome Jack Collection, you can pick up this DLC for free. It's called Commander Lilith and the fight for Sanctuary. It is basically the story that bridges Borderlands 2 to Borderlands 3. So a game that's like five or seven years old just got a free DLC pack at E3. That's pretty cool. Is it Borderlands or Boring Lands? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I know. I'm, I it's a legitimate question. I've never played it before. It's not a shot. Borderlands is awesome. It's, a, it's what began this looter shooter craze, basically, that everyone talks about nowadays. Borderlands is kind of what started that RPG-based looter shooter craze that then blew up the borderlands games are a lot of fun wasn't cody goff obsessed with borderlands for a while i don't remember how much cody was obsessed with it but my former co-host on the all things good and nerdy show naki is a huge huge fan of borderlands she's actually the one that got me to start playing this game that's right i forgot that's because i mix the two of them up all the time cody and naki they're so they're so similar they are indeed both in chicago <laughs> Yes. So let, let's get into the real big meat here. There's three big things I want to touch on. First of all is the updates to the Game Pass service. Microsoft added a bunch of new games to Xbox Game Pass the same day of E3. That included Metro Exodus that recently came out, Borderlands, the Handsome Jack Collection, Batman Arkham Knight, a variety of other things. They did also announce Xbox Game Pass for PC, which is available in open beta right now. For $10 a month, you get access to 100 different PC games, things like Imper excuse me, Imperator Rome, Football Manager 2019, Halo the Master Chief Collection when it releases, including Halo Reach. Those will all be available on the subscription Xbox Game Pass for PC service, meaning you've got 100 games, you can play any or all of them whenever you want, so long as you are subscribed. They then also announced 
and a tweak to this service. They announced what is called Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. What is this? It means you get Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass for your Xbox, and Xbox Game Pass for your PC. So any game that's on Game Pass for Xbox, you can play whenever you want. Any of those Game Pass PC games you can play, and you have a gold subscription for $15 a month if you choose to go that route. So it is basically Netflix for video games. How much is that over regular Game Pass? Because I don't know what it is in the US. Game Pass, I believe, is $10 a month on its regular price. So if you're bundling it with gold and the PC version of Game Pass, it's 15 bucks a month, which is a pretty solid deal. Yeah. If you want to try it out yourself, you can get it right now for a dollar for the first month. That's pretty awesome. That's, uh, I thought it, that's yeah, actually not solid. a bad deal. And also remember, if you're an Xbox Live Gold subscriber, you also get two free games a month that you download and they're yours until your gold subscription runs out. So they're not the same games you'd have in Game Pass. They're just limited promo ones you get. Like right now is NHL 2K19 or something like that. And a couple other games are free for being a gold subscriber. So you're getting a boatload of games, probably more than you can play. So I had to look up to see the current prices because I renew later on in the year. But Xbox Live 12 months memberships are currently going for $50 right now. On sale for 50, you can sometimes find them as low as $40. Hmm. Well, now I'm all sorts of confused of what I'm going to do, because I was just talking with you yesterday, Chris Farrell, and I don't think I fully wrapped my head around this ultimate thing until you explained it now. And uh, I thought I was uh, going to get all locked into my uh, my services there, but I think I'm, I don't know, can this be bought annually now? Or if not? Yes, it can be bought annually is my understanding as well. And the Game Pass feature is going to be really cool when you start looking at what they're doing with their Project X Cloud, which they talked about a little bit before now. We didn't get a ton of details in the E3 event yesterday, but prior to our starting the show, I started reading some of the news. They're doing hands-on with Project X Cloud on the show floor. So what is X Cloud? It is basically Microsoft's version of Google Stadia that we touched on a little bit last week, which is cloud-based gaming. You can start playing a game on the Microsoft servers and emulate your Xbox and then pushes to your cell phone, to your browser, things like that. But in this case, Phil Spencer made a point of saying you can also turn your Xbox One into your own personal and free xCloud server. Whether you're using a console in our data center or your console at home, this October, you'll be able to use our hybrid gaming cloud play to play your games wherever you go. So October, xCloud hits beta. And there was a lot of reading into things, people trying to understand what was going on. There is probably going to be a subscriptions component of some type if you want to play via their cloud servers. But if you just want to use your own Xbox as a remote server to set up your games, you're good to go. And you can push things out that way. Was that all of the news from E3 this week? I had one more bit of news real quick. Also, as we discuss the uh, xCloud stuff, Ars Technica was on the showroom floor today playing with a Galaxy S8 and an Xbox controller paired together playing Halo 5 via xCloud. And they did some rudimentary timing using a high-speed camera that did 240 frames per second video. They found out that the latency, the time between a button push and the first movement on the phone screen was 67 milliseconds. Why is this significant? Because Digital Foundry found out when they were playing uh, Google Stadia and other games similar, they were getting about 100 milliseconds of lag. And when you play Halo the Master Chief Collection on your local Xbox, you get about 60 to 65 milliseconds of lag. So the lag 
due to processing from a cloud server, it's minimal at best. And now bear in mind, people were concerned, how is this set up? They were hooked into Microsoft's Wi-Fi on the showroom floor. And the servers for Project X Cloud were not in Los Angeles, but were in San Francisco. So there was some geographic distance there. It'll be interesting to see how this scales up as they do more and more. So they're on Microsoft's Wi-Fi that Microsoft set up and set up the protocols and the priorities. Okay, cool. Just make the sure we're stuff aware on of that. It was the Microsoft stuff on the showroom floor, but there is going to be a lot of interference and a lot of other Wi-Fi connected devices there. It's an interesting showing for a beginning demo. But I'm it's just the saying same way Stadia was Microsoft had full control over what was being prioritized and whatnot. And so, it'll be interesting so did to Google see. at the Stadia event. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, you know what, though? I think for a lot of people, the, that 20 seconds isn't going to matter. Like for a lot of people, well, but it's we're nice. talking a two millisecond difference between rendering on your box and what the servers yeah. did. No, I you, think you're it's, not going to notice that. No, I think it's great. And I was saying between the Google and the um the Microsoft one, it's, uh, oh no, it's 40, but I don't think people will notice that as much anyways for the hardcore gamers definitely will. But, you know, I like to see that Microsoft's able to achieve near on box. That's fantastic. That really is. Your eyes can't perceive that slight of a difference. That's what I, I, I was defending the, them. I, I'm completely confused. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, here? I'm just saying people are going to make that argument and we're talking a two millisecond difference. So just be prepared when that goes forward. The fanboy arguments will happen, but it's imperceptible. And pristine. How about uh, the next gen console? Anything on that? So last thing that we had here is they did announce quickly on the Sunday event Project Scarlet, which is their next gen console. It is slated for a December 20, excuse me, holiday 2020 release, and it will debut alongside Halo Infinite, which is the new Halo game, which they made a point of saying comes to the Xbox family. So I'm not sure if it'll be on just the Scar Project Scarlet or all devices. We will find out more. It does sound a lot like what Sony is talking about with the PS5 with emphasis on reducing load times. There'll be a solid state hard drive, which they can use as virtual RAM to cut down on loading times. Custom AMD processor that they state is four times more powerful than the Xbox One X and high bandwidth GDDR6 RAM that is capable of doing 8K resolution and 120 frames per second. So the PS5 and the Project Scarlet are roughly equivalent hardware. It'll just be interesting to see what both Sony and Microsoft do with it. We did not get to see the hardware in action. We get to see some video rendered on those boxes. And there is a rumor that they're going to build out the xCloud server so that they're spec to be like Project Scarlet devices. So eh, we'll see what happens. My favorite part about this is that the name is not going to be Xbox One anymore. It's not going to be Xbox 361. That's what it's going to be. It's, it's going to be 720 or something. We have no idea what they're going to do. No, the name, the name has not been said. And as we know from Microsoft's history, who knows? The roll of the dice at this point could be as much as maybe Xbox Chris edition. We don't know. And I'm hoping that that's what it is, is the Chris Farrell Xbox. Do I get one for free then? No, it's a different Chris Farrell. No. Well, hell, where's the fun in that? <laughs> all right, well, moving on to the next news point here, Stargate Pioneer. And by the way, Chris, thanks for rounding up all that news. There was a lot that went on and uh, we appreciate you bringing it to us so that we can all love Microsoft and talk about how awesome their controllers are and superior to Sony in every way. Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm poking a bear there. Uh, but moving on to the oh next dear. news point, Stargate Pioneer, you had a little bit of sad news. 
I did. I won't say it wasn't expected, but some revelations have been uncovered by the media. And I think we've got a modern day Bruce Goose here. So here's what happened. On the 31st of May, Eric Johnson and Jolie Roulette collaborated on a Reuters.com article, which basically exposed the uh, straddle launch space company as possibly being pieced and parts out for purchase. And then Mike Wall on space.com came back with an article on June 4th, 2019, that basically corroborated everything and came out with a little stronger statement from the company itself. So let's just walk down what happened here. Strata Launch Systems Corporation, which is the space company founded by late billionaire and Microsoft Corporation co-founder Paul Allen, is closing operations, cutting short ambitious plans to challenge traditional aerospace companies in a new space race. And this was via four people familiar with the matter and then one external to the company, all anonymously said on that Friday. Now, the company is a unit of Allen's privately held investment vehicle, Vulcan Incorporated. And Vulcan has been exploring a possible sale of Stratolaunch's assets and intellectual property, according to one of the four sources and also the fifth person. The centerpiece of Stratolaunch's strategy was its carbon composite carrier plane with a 117 meter wingspan and powered by six inches engines, not inches. <laughs> the, <laughs> the plane flew for the. The plane flew for the first and perhaps only time in April. That flight took place April 13th from California Mojave's Air and Spaceport. During the 2.5 hour test, Rock, which was the test pilot, reached a, or Rock, which is the plane, reached a peak altitude of 17,000 feet and a top speed of 189 miles per hour. In quoting a company spokesman, quote, Strata Launch remains operational. We will provide an update when there is news to share, unquote. Now, Paul Allen's sister is currently the executor of his estate, and the rumor is that she just wanted the plane to fly to honor Paul Allen's legacy, but I guess there's no intent on making this corporation viable within Vulcan Incorporated itself. If somebody wants to buy the whole thing themselves, they sure can do it, but the plane flew once, so did the Spruce Goose. So we might have our modern day Spruce Goose. All right. So in the chat over at Geeks.Live, because again, when we record this live, there is a chat. Uh, I am pitching to Suncast, who, as we know, is the uh, vice director of NASA. He reports to Stargate Pioneer. I think it's time for him to uh, to sail away from SP, you know, get his wings and fly, start his own private space group. And so Suncast, you should go ahead and invest in this. Uh, he said it's for sale there. I don't see a better time than now to go ahead and start it out. So tweet at Suncast with a K, S-U-N-K-A-S-T, and tell him that you look forward to Suncast space exploration. That's what we're all looking forward to. I am too. I cannot wait. Do you really want Suncast to have control of the world's largest airplane? Yes. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. Uh, You can carry up to six missiles on it which you know a launch vehicle is the same as an intercontinental ballistic missile do you really want to give him that much firepower 
I, I don't see a problem here. What's the okay. worst that happens? Yeah. I trust Suncast. Deputy Director Suncast, he's in the circle of trust. <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing this. As much as it's sad news, it isn't really expect unexpected. We've kind of talked a little bit about that before. You've been saying for a while that the writing was on the wall, and uh, I guess it's just uh, it was a matter of time was what it came down to. Moving on to the last news point before we get to a fun segment from Stargate Pioneer. There's a new Echo device in town. Yes, that's right. Amazon announced a new version of the Echo Show. For those not familiar with the Echo Show, it first came out in 2017. And the concept, basically a screen-based Amazon Voice Services device. The first generation had a 7-inch screen and the second generation of the Echo Show had a 10-inch. And adding to the Echo Show line is a version called the Echo Show 5, which has a 5.5-inch screen. The device is going to be in two different colors and is $89 US pre-order price or $99 Canadian. It's got a camera in it, has a whole bunch of other things as well. You know, Amazon Voice Services, there's going to be some video calling, you know, limited things that you can do with it. But you also have the possibility for $20 US or $30 Canadian Getting a magnetic stand that allows you to tilt it however you want so that when your kids can't reach it, you can tilt it down. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is, number one, I think the price point's not bad for an Echo Show device. I think for under 100 bucks, not bad. Uh, screen size, I think it's also can maybe be a little bit bigger, but I think that it's going to fit people's places a lot better next to the bed, tucked under their cabinets, like in their kitchen. I just think that this sort of form factor is going to be a good sort of form factor that gets it into more homes but i wanted to highlight that finally finally somebody got one of these video desktop mount voice service devices right because we've seen it before amazon came out with the uh the video camera on there and then everybody's like but what about privacy and then Google came out and they're like, we got your privacy right here. We took the camera out of it. We don't have a camera on ours. And Facebook came and they did theirs. And they're like, here, here's a physical privacy clip that you can put over top of it. Well, they put in one of those really finicky <laughs> built-in physical toggles into this that you can actually physically slide over. So the privacy concerns are are finally finally addressed in one of these devices and i'm happy that they did it because i think that it's nice to have it built in i agree with it not being motorized i've heard some people say well you should make it motorized but that just brings back the whole privacy concern thing again so for people who want to have the privacy concern about the video you've got your physical toggle this was an obvious answer to all of these devices years ago so it took everybody way too long they make like four dollar little things to put on your freaking phones and your tablets that do just this so it uh took too long i i probably still won't get one <laughs> let's remember though the google home mini the, the excuse me the google nest hub i think they call it now yeah doesn't have a camera built into it that's what i said that's how i design that's which yeah. is nice no, it was not nice. And that's what I just, I Why? literally just rallied it against Why? it because it, you Why should you need it. You should have the option for the video call. It's BS marketing to say, when, oh, when's the last time you used a video call on any of those kind of devices? You know, I do video calls all the time with my wife now that she ends up uh, working offset hours with me. And I would love to have it right there because I don't like to hand my phone over to my kids. I'd rather send them in the other room. I think that for elderly people, <laughs> it's great. Send them in the other room. Yeah, I'd rather send them. He was like, go away. I'm podcasting. Pretty much. 
Uh, I think that your situation, you probably don't have it, but there was lots of situations where that video call, and, and I said it when it came out, I think that it was a cop-out from Google, and they should have just built it in. In fact, my dad bought one of these, took it back when he found that it didn't have it. I kid you not. He does just this Honestly, weekend. The whole camera thing in this is damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because if they don't, people are going to get mad. If they do, people are going to get mad. No, it's, they're not. So, the physical yes, switch. They are. The physical switch just solved the problem. How there many people no- got cranky about the fact that the original Echo shows had cameras on them? There was blah, no. Blah, blah. Did you hear what I just said? The physical yes. switch solves it because now you have no privacy concerns because if you care about it, you flip the physical switch and it cannot be undone. There's no, I understand this, that. this is the win. This is the ultimate win. Well, you two are obviously not really concerned about the physical <laughs> need for security because you were taking your shirts off on the podcast last week. <laughs> See, true. I listened. Uh, I listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that this is the solve. And I think that this is the best route is to have the physical switch, have the camera. Then you get the best of both worlds. That's why I do think that somebody got it right. Let us know what your thoughts are on this. Uh, again, I think there's probably only certain people that will use this, but it is something that I would absolutely use. Um, but again, probably not going to buy one. So let's go ahead and move <laughs> Wait on. Wait a minute, put your money where your mouth is, Steven. <laughs> if it was a Google product, maybe. But let's go ahead and move Good on answer. to SP Buy Some Wheels. Last month, I had a problem, and the problem was my car from 2007 was no longer viable to fix. I'll spare you all the details, but you do that calculation of, okay, if I fix this, this, and this, is it still under the value of the car, and will I be able to keep it for a certain amount of time before something else goes wrong? I just couldn't do that anymore. So went ahead and looked at buying a new used car, And what we did is we found a 2017 Jeep Compass Limited. Now, I I know what you're saying. I know, SP, what about the GMC Sierra 4x4 Crew Cab? Well, I actually looked at one of those two, but since this was an out-of-cycle purchase, I had (laughs) to go a little bit smaller. And besides, this car is ultimately going to be my spouse's car. So she got to choose. And then uh, I'll get to choose mine. Can I ask you why you have to state the obvious? Because you just told me that this car was not a bicycle or a motorcycle. You said it was out of cycle. It's, it's pretty obvious that it's not a cycle. Well, you know, if it's not timed right, it'll be out of cycle. And then, <laughs> you know, you'll have all sorts of in, <laughs> engine issues of it misfiring and stuff like that. Anyway. So I got this night, uh, this 2017 Jeep Compass Limited. It was a sweet deal, really, really low miles. And, you know, you're not buying it new. So it got tens of thousands of dollars off the purchase price. And a, I got something that was really cool. So the objective going in to buying the car was just to get something that was affordable. When we got on the lot, the needs, the requirements changed. It was I must have leather seats. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are nice on the tushy. 
Yeah, so heated leather seats. So we quickly discarded the vehicles we were there to look at. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're going to look at that one. And honestly, uh, as far as how it drove, how it was put together, it was the best option that was available to us. So we're going with it, at least for now. Uh, my spouse used to have a Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited, so she's all in on this and everything. And I might say that this is the first car that I bought that I'm driving in 13 years. I have purchased four other vehicles, but this is the first one that I bought in 13 years for me that I'm driving at least for a couple of years. All right. So the requirement, as you heard, was all wheel drive and heated leather seats. The, those were the two requirements. I, I didn't say all wheel drive before, but that was one of the requirements. And the other requirement was heated leather seats. So I just look past absolutely everything else. And it wasn't until I got home that I discovered that the Jeep Compass Limited had access to Apple CarPlay and also compatible with the Google Android Auto. Now, I don't have an Android, so I can test that out, but I have been testing out the CarPlay. So that's what we're going to talk about. The Jeep also has compatibility with Bluetooth. It has Beats premium speakers. And the system, the onboard OS system is called Uconnect, and it has an 8.4 inch display, which for me coming from a 2007 vehicle, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. I actually have no a display joke. on the dashboard. I mean, this is a whole nother round of car. It's keyless. So, you know, you push the button. I have driven those before, so this wasn't uh, a complete alien to me, but yeah, it was awesome. And I've taken it on a couple long trips already just because they were coming up in the cycle. I don't know if my other car would have made it on these trips. So it made it possible. And it wasn't until I was looking at the sticker, like I was saying, the, the original window sticker, which you can get on your Carfax these days, by the way, they actually upload the original window sticker. I did not buy this new. It's 2017, uh, 2017 model, and it's right now it's 2019. So I saw Apple CarPlay. I wonder how that works. I had no idea how it works because I was just going to do the Bluetooth integration with it. Well, it turns out that in order to get the CarPlay to work, you actually have to physically plug it into the USB port that's on the dashboard. We'll get to that in a second. But it took me like a week to figure that out. So yeah, bad on SP for not checking it out. But I was busy. I had graduations going on and everything else like that. So I get a little pass on that. In all fairness, it's a relatively recent development that there's CarPlay headsets that actually don't have to be plugged in. So you're probably thinking of what you've heard in passing on current people talking about CarPlay where they don't have to do that. And with this being a slightly older car, that was before that was possible. Right. So I looked into the CarPlay history, actually, and it goes back to an iOS 4 feature, which was called iPod Out back in 2010. There was some initial collaboration with BMW in 2011, but it was announced by Apple's EdQ and at WWDC in um, 2013 or Dub Dub 2013 is when it was <laughs> actually announced. So it's six years ago, right? That it was actually announced. Uh, CarPlay was launched with the Geneva Motor Show in March of 2013 or March of, of 2014, and it went into Ferrari, Mercedes-Benz, and Volvo. So it is five years old uh, amongst those premium brands. And there is a long list of how it got there from here, 
but Apple finally put out a website which which cars are available in and currently discounting the model year because if you count the model year it triples or quadruples there are 508 car models out there with Apple CarPlay available so that's just in 5 years it's ballooned from those 3 vehicles to 508 total models Apple also has a website explaining what CarPlay is and what actual apps are on there. I will say that that apps might not be complete of everything that is available because I think I have some apps that are on my screen that are not actually on this website. And we'll get to that in a second. But there is a general uh, explanation of all the CarPlay stuff and what main apps are available. And not all apps that you get on iOS iOS are compatible with CarPlay. And this is something else that I learned. CarPlay is not inherent in the car itself. It is actually within your iOS. So it's a feature in your iOS to basically display a second screen that is inherent on your phone. So if it updates, you just have to update the phone. You don't have to update the car. And this is a concern for a lot of people. They're like, I don't want to take my car in to update anything like the internal navigation, the maps that can cost money to actually update and everybody's using their phones now anyway. So this is the same thing. It's the CarPlay interface itself is what is updated on your phone and not on the car itself. The car does have a link to CarPlay in its internal OS, but it's it, do, it doesn't control the phone. Your phone is actually controlling the OS as you're going along. So what what have I experienced so far? So remember, I'm coming from a 2007 car that didn't have a, a way, a USB plug to put in external devices. This is an absolute experience, driving experience game changer. There's no question about it because you don't have to have your phone on one of those air vent clips that is facing you with a smaller screen. It's actually integrated with the car. It's basically, as I said, a second screen for your phone. And there's all sorts of benefits. You don't have to depend on the car's internal navigation system. You can use Google Maps. You can use Apple Maps. And more importantly for me, you can use Waze because you get, if you're on a long trip, you get those cop notifications. So you don't have to worry about going three miles over the speed limit and having a cop from Wisconsin jut out in front of you that's unmarked or Indiana or, you know, wherever you're driving. Chris, do you have unmarked cars in, in West Virginia? I don't think so. But when I was interning out in DC, there were plenty of different kinds of unmarked cars out there and they were a-holes. Yeah. So Waze is really important to have on that screen. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad they have that versus a regular navigation app. And the integration with the phone and the voice integration while you're driving is it just makes it a lot safer. So you don't have to worry about tapping on your phone. There's on the steering wheel, there's a button that activates Siri and I can make the phone do whatever I want to. I can text message, I can make phone calls. And most important to me is I can actually have FaceTime integration in the car. And why is this important to me? Remember, my younger sister is actually... Um, able to use an iPad and she is mentally handicapped. And so this is the way she actually converses with me. What Steven's showing on the screen right now is a picture of the 8.4 inch screen on the dashboard. And you can see how the apps are laid out currently. 
We'll get to how the future is going to be in a second, but it shows about eight apps and you can swipe to go to the next screen on it and the next screen on it. But it, it is big, it is touchscreen, and it is wonderful to use with your phone. You're basically using your phone and your car simultaneously. It's great. And it's integrated with the speakers, so you don't have to worry about any of those mm, prickish Bluetooth earpieces that we had <laughs> in the past. You know what I'm talking about? You yeah. don't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, they're very sharp. You said prickly, right? Is that what you said? You sure, yeah. that's what I said, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I did give Steven some pictures of the actual screens itself. Now, I use Overcast on my iOS device, and I'm transitioning to that from my iPad Classic inside the car. I could still use the Classic and plug it into the 3.5 millimeter jack in the dashboard, but I think I'm going to try to do the iOS stuff now, especially since I am integrated with the phone, and if somebody calls me or text messages me or something like that, so overcast shows up and then you have the full control, full player control. You can go back and forward at 30 second intervals and then you can pause or play. Uh, you can actually screen through some of the options available, but I'll get to some of the limitations in a second. But as I said, I have three full screens of apps that were already on my phone that are on the screen itself. The big ones that I use are the phone, overcast, music, audiobooks, Audible, and Waze. Those are the big ones. And you can actually go into the settings in your iOS to determine this display of each of, the, just like you would on your phone, right? Because you can throw your apps back and forth into the primary screen, secondary screen, tertiary screen, so on and so forth. I have not done that yet, but I plan to do that this week. So organize the primary apps that I use on the first screen versus the second or the third screen. Now there's some downsides of this system that I'm particularly using. Now remember, I'm using the Jeep Uconnect system with the iOS CarPlay system of iOS, whatever it is now, 12.8, 12.9, something like that. There's a limited a number of screens available to show options. And this affects Overcast in the podcasts that are available, this, is limiting how many episodes within that podcast that you can show. I think it's three screens worth of options and then it caps out and you don't have any more options. You can go to your phone and you can select another option that's not on the screen or you can use the voice commands to do it, but you can't use the screen to do it. Playlists, that's another issue. If you have more than a screen of playlists or I think two screens of playlists, it won't show you any. And then the songs in the playlist themselves, it's limiting. So you're not seeing all the information in the current version of CarPlay that is available on your phone. The phone also has to be plugged in via USB. You cannot do this via Bluetooth. And this means that there's no wireless charging available because the phone's got to be charging through the car the entire time as well. The other thing is if you have a passenger that picks up the phone and tries to do something else, like uh, go to your text messages to respond to a text message or pick out a song to play or whatever, all of a sudden that map that you're watching, that Waze map, that Apple maps, that Google maps that you're watching, it goes away. And it goes either to the home screen or the other app that the person is watching. So that's a little bit annoying. And Steven's now showing the eight primary apps and the secondary apps and the tertiary apps now. So you can see this all at our YouTube channel at 
youtube.com slash gonna geek. Uh, the other thing that I wish was different, and this is not a CarPlay issue, this is a Jeep Compass Uconnect system. It automatically starts the friggin' radio every time. There is oh. no way I can shut that off. Every single time I start the car, the radio comes on. Now, <laughs> I can quickly choose some options to make that go away, but every time it defaults to the radio, either AM, FM, or one of the free Sirius XM channels, and I cannot, I, I guess the thing to do would be to choose a channel that's not actually broadcasting anything, but it resets every once in a while too. So again, that's a Uconnect issue that is not an Apple CarPlay, but really Jeep, really? I can't turn the radio off at all? It starts up automatically every single time? Uh, that must be awesome when you got to get up to work at like four in the morning and you've got your vehicle parked outside mm -hmm, in a mm -hmm. small residential area. I'm sure they yeah. love it. And that has actually happened. It's funny that you say that, but that has actually happened since I bought the car. I'm very quick to turn the volume down. And the Jeep Limited Series actually has a volume button on the backside of the steering wheel. So nice. if you just have your hand on the wheel, you can quickly get it down that way you know at least though you don't regularly visit like a quiet lake property or something like that where there's <laughs> all sorts of neighbors and you know oh wait wait a minute what did you just tell us a minute ago oh yeah yeah, yeah. i went to the lake in yeah. wisconsin and yeah, yeah I, I got up early in the morning to leave because yeah it's just you beat the traffic that way plenty of construction traffic plenty of just going back and forth traffic okay so that's a lot of downsides for both carplay and you connect but don't worry both are changing in the future. And in fact, if you have a 2019 Jeep vehicle or Dodge vehicle, the Uconnect has already been updated. You can shut off that dang radio every time there's a bunch of other options in Uconnect that are available in 2019 that were not available in 2017. I'm just glad to have the system that I have, so I'll deal with it. But that's changing. And at the WWDC 2019 conference that just took place last week, there was an iOS 13 CarPlay upgrade that was announced. And I'll go through some of the new features of it. First of all, Siri, when it opens, doesn't take up the whole screen. There's just a smaller side screen that says Siri on it. There is an adjustable screen size because not all cars have the same size screen nowadays. You have some smaller, some larger, so it will automatically adjust to the size of screen that you have. It will automatically give you the second video stream support, which is basically showing multiple bits of information on different screens. If you have that, if you have an irregular size screen, there's support for that. Hey Siri is now supported. Like I said, I actually had to push the button to get Siri to come up, but now I can just say those words and it will come up. So that's good. There's also a do not disturb while driving. And while this might be a hassle for some people that want everything available to them at all times, I have one word for you. Well, one sentence for you. Go see Dr. Strange and see what happens when you have an accident, when you're distracted driving. Definitely do not disturb is a bonus in my opinion, especially if you have teenagers that are driving, right? There is a light mode now. It used to be just a dark mode. If you go back to look at the screens that I showed, it was dark mode. There's now a light mode. There is different places to actually, you can change the the settings to change a lot of different options. 
And most importantly, there's independent app views, which means if you're playing uh, the podcast or if you're watching Waze Maps on the screen and you need to make some turns and your passenger picks up the phone and wants to change the song that's playing and they go to your music app, the Waze still stays up there. So I'm really looking forward to iOS 13. And remember, this is done via the phone's iOS, not the car. So when iOS 13 upgrades to your phone, you'll be able to see the differences on your screen in CarPlay. This is an amazing thing. I The only reason I'm not talking about Android Auto is I don't have an Android, but that has to be as awesome as this. Well, I'm glad to hear your experience overall has been fairly decent. Uh, I know you said a lot of cons. I think it's important to always highlight the cons so people can understand. But it sounds like from a day-to-day -day perspective, um, the actual and or Android Auto uh, CarPlay seems to be meeting your needs. Is that correct? That is correct. This is uh, there's a lot of things wrong with this 2017 vehicle that I know are changed two years in the future. But this was amazing for what it was, and for a used car, this is like living on the moon. This is going for that jetliner versus the old DC three prop plane back in World War Two. So th this is uh, this is living in the future to me. Okay, and now let's go ahead and see how it goes around our track. Oh, wait, <laughs> we're not doing that. Are we not doing that? We're we're not doing either Top Gear or Grand Tour. Sorry. Oh, I, I swore you threw this thing around our track that doesn't exist. Uh, Chris. Well, may, maybe Gear 5 has a track that they can throw it around. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yes. Uh, Chris Farrell, you have Android Auto in yours, don't you? Oh. I do not. My current car does not have Android Auto, but th this brought me to a question. SP, you have to have your phone plugged in, and it basically runs Android Auto when it's hooked, not Android, excuse me, CarPlay, while hooked into the screen. For this use case, correct? That, that's correct. It has full okay. functionality on its own, but yes, the phone actually has to be plugged in. It can't be done via Bluetooth or wireless. Right. So, so that's one of the interesting differences, and it's not a bad thing or a good thing necessarily. Android Auto, you don't necessarily have to have a screen. You can just run an Android Auto app on your cell phone and have it hooked onto like an AC vent or something like that, and just have it on the smaller screen that is your phone, which is one of those differences. So. For instance, Stephen, I don't know if you have Android Auto or not. You could theoretically play with it by just putting the app on your phone and launching Android Auto when you get in your car. And you can tell it anytime you connect to this Bluetooth, say the one in your car, launch Android Auto. And you can sort of emulate what you would get with these infotainment approaches. And I wasn't sure if Apple was trying to go down that same path as well to say, hey, this gets people with an older car that might not have this head unit the ability to use CarPlay. I hope they go down that path because I think that's an awesome feature to try and make it so that people aren't trying to pick up their phone and do a bunch of stuff, make it default to a hands-free mode when you're in motion. That'd be great. I love CarPlay. I love Android Auto. I love seeing what Google and Apple come up with between each other and the competition it fuels. I think it's good for customers all around. Yeah, I have to say that, um, uh, so my in-laws got a vehicle that has CarPlay in it, so I've ha briefly seen it. I was pretty impressed with what I saw. I seemed pretty responsive and, uh, I think that it's a good thing for them to be really the manufacturers to be hooking into Android Auto or CarPlay just from the voice dialing perspective, because we know that on phones, Siri, Google, whatever version of Google Assistant is currently available at the time that you're listening to this, 
they've always, you know, tried to make the dialing work well, you know, make those sort of basic tasks work very well. And then you go and you look at some of the baked in voice recognition in cars and it sucks. Like, you know, some of them are good. Luckily, my 2015 train is good. I've seen many cars that are more current than that. That sucks. So when you're hooked into the actual phone's voice services, you just have a, a better experience overall, which is definitely what you want if you're going to be using anything hooked up to your car because you don't want people to have to have that sort of inclination to reach for their phone because their car isn't doing what they want. So I, I was pretty impressed overall. So, so here's the thing that Android Auto and CarPlay solve that people don't talk about as much. It solves this simple fact. Car infotainment systems generally suck. Mm -hmm. So if I want to control my entertainment, I can do it through their CarPlay or Android Auto. And it's a uniform experience from car to car to car. It doesn't matter. I plug in my phone, boop, my CarPlay or my Android Auto comes up. It's exactly what I'm used to versus trying to like, well, I rented a Mazda this week for work. I don't understand how to load the right satellite radio channel or hook my phone in properly. It makes it so you're not as reliant on crappy infotainment units from the dealers that are very rarely updated and often become unusable after a few years because they're just clunky. Yeah. I, I am cognizant that this technology will get old probably in about five years because my previous car, remember, was 2007. It had a DVD player in it. And then when Blu-rays nice. came on the scene just a couple years later, there was no way to upgrade that. I tried several times. There was no way to upgrade it to a Blu-ray. So there was no way to upgrade it. So I'm thinking in five years, maybe less, I don't know, since it's 2017, but in five years, the phone support that goes into the car is going to change to the point where it might not be interfaceable anymore and that this won't work anymore. And if we plan to keep the car for seven, 10 years, there's going to be a point where we can no longer use this functionality. It's a little sad to me, but for now, I'm using it just fine and it's great. See, that's going to be the interesting thing because these infotainment units, like you mentioned earlier, they're basically just mirroring your screen. So my hope is that as long as you can toss a signal out over a USB cable that basically puts the screen on your infotainment unit, you should probably be good. I mean, they're building to a standard to be able to support these things and until you get to the point that Apple and Google say we no longer want to support the standard that is this one. Hopefully that's not the problem that you think it might be. I'm like you. I think it could be a problem, but I'm hopeful that it is not. My thought is in five years, our phone's going to have USB compatible ports. Maybe and not. That is actually, yeah, that's probably the biggest point right there. Fair point. So if you've got experience with Android Auto or CarPlay or waking up your neighbors at four in the morning because your radio automatically turns on, Get in touch with us through any of the ways you can head on over to gunageek.com or head over to facebook.com slash gunageek or come by our discord at gunageek.com slash discord. We'd love to see you over there checking out, chatting with us. When you do join, please say hi. Don't just come and lurk. We'd love to know what brings you over and talk a little geeky talk with us. Before we go, Stargate Pioneer, Chris Farrell, do you have anything that you'd like to plug or promote? Let's start off with Stargate Pioneer because he was just speaking anyways. Sure. So in the mail today, I got myself the steel case of Captain Marvel. It's still in the package. So if we had more time, I'd unwrap it. But yep, this is cool. We'll be talking about steel case over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the future. 
I, I have not bought a steel case for a few years and I kind of regret it because I used to easily be able to get steel cases in my area. So Chris Farrell, anything that you'd like to plug or promote? So just ask for some help from our community. It is going to be E3 this week. I don't have time to watch all of the E3 events. So if you see something cool at E3 that you think I should know about, because maybe we'll do some more E3 coverage here later, tweet it to me at the Gunna Geek account, at Gunna Geek. Tweet it to me. Tell me what it is, and we'll see what we can do. Awesome. So for episode number 290 of the official GunnaGeek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying I've been re-watching DS9, and I got to the episode where Kira and Bashir make out. I forgot about that. Horrifying. And I'm SP saying, Captain Marvel, hire further, faster, more. And I'm Chris Farrell saying, I got nothing witty here, so go E3. I got nothing else. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.